Hello, everybody. My name is Joshua Bell. I'm uh, starting this podcast because I've had a bunch of people in my congregation ask me about what it is that we are as the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. So I've had a lot of time to think about this and put a lot of things together in my mind that I wanted to share with you. And the very first thing I want to say is the Christian Church Disciples of Christ is uh, first uh, a Christian group. And we typically like to refer to ourselves as a movement for wholeness, working together or working toward uniting all Christians in one body. Now, this isn't designed specifically to make us like some sort of one church for all people, but more of a individual worshiping and serving Christ in their own way. So the church's name, for example, the Christian church shows that our members have a common bond with the church universal or the the Christians, uh, all those that proclaim Jesus as Christ. For us, the disciples of Christ, it, the name identifies members as a distinctive body within that church universal. So for us, the Christian church disciples of Christ gives us the ability to some sort of identifier that puts us into and identifies us as a part of the Stone Campbell movement. The church itself stands for Christian faith um, and Christian unity. Um, there's a In the Christian faith aspect, there's a, a personal relationship with Christ whose life and ministry reveal God's will. For us, Christian unity is extremely important in helping each other by working, worshiping, and growing together in the way of the gospel is extremely important to us. So, You'll notice that as around the country, you'll see a bunch of Christian churches, disciples of Christ, working together with all types of faith traditions or those that proclaim Christ as Savior. Uh, We typically do this as an understanding of our ecumenical background, but we'll talk about that in another podcast. Every Christian church, disciples of Christ throughout the country and around the world, you'll see that they have a chalice, a red chalice with a white cross on it. That's a St. Andrew's cross, who's a symbol of the Christian church. Um, and uh, it, it has ties and roots within our Scottish heritage, who St. Andrew is the patron saint of Scotland. Uh, again, another podcast for another day. So for this podcast, I, I thought I would spend some time talking about what it means to be a member in the Christian church. For us, uh, it's all about freedom and diversity. The Christian Church Disciples of Christ was one of the very first churches ever created within the United States. Uh, It was formed in the early 1800s. It was designed and created around the the time where the Constitution and the Bill of Rights was being ratified and put together. And so for us, freedom and diversity became extremely important for who we are, such as in worship, where like prayer and devotion are uh, for us are the greatest source of strength. We don't have any set doctrine or uniform rules, so Each person can find the methods that suit them best for connection in worship. In service, we look at God has given each human being uh, unique gifts and talents that the church offers many and varied opportunities to put them to use, whether it's local, nationally, or worldwide. Uh, In fellowship, church members join together in many ways, uh, such as by sharing each other's joys and sorrows and helping each other in Christ's way in every area of daily life. So the story of the Christian church kind of starts out pretty simple. Like uh, we we were designed in the 
frontier America. The desire uh, was for freedom that kind of came out of the American Revolution uh, was also felt in religion in the United States. We really wanted something simplistic and unified. And so a lot of Americans wished to uh, reform the existing denominations and to unify them into one Christian church based on New Testament faith. The goal was that if it, if it looked European, it sounded like European, or it felt European, that it, that it had to go because we, we have just come through this American Revolution. We're trying to get away from anything that looks European in the sense of we, we got to create something new. And out of that, they, they created this idea of uh, practicality, where you have this grassroots movement where frontier people who lived by their own ingenuity uh, wanted practical, down-to-earth religion to help, honestly, to cope and with understand the hard life that they were in. Um, as individuals, they felt that they could read and interpret the Bible for themselves. Because if you remember, at this point, there was a mass production of Bibles that was around for everyone. So people were now starting to read and write. And all of a sudden, you start to see this move where people started to say, hey, listen, this is we want to do something different than what we were doing in Europe. And now we have the ability to do so because we're not under some sort of um, monarchy or church-ran state. So the Christian church was born out of this idea of trying to create a movement of wholeness uh, to try to find ways of experiencing Christ without the church telling us exactly how that was supposed to work. Now, I'm, I'm using a, a really cool old-school resource that uh, talks about the, the the Christian church, and it was uh, created by the Channing Bait Company. And one of my favorite things is they in this book they've got uh, a little— diagram that talks about the beginning. So I'm just going to read it to you because I really like the way that they have this broke down. For example, in 1804, the Presbyterian minister Barton W. Stone and several followers broke their denominational ties to enter into unity with, quote-unquote, the body of Christ at large. And they simply called themselves Christians. And in 1811, a group led by Presbyterian minister Thomas Campbell and his son Alexander they began meeting independently, saying the Church of Jesus Christ was one and open to all. And in 1820, Alexander Campbell began public debates, which along with his writing, which he was prolific, he wrote so much stuff in the 1800s, propelled him into leadership of what they called the quote-unquote Disciples of Christ. And it wasn't even until 1832 that the Christians and the Disciples of Christ joined together with, honestly, a formal handshake and they agreed on some basic beliefs and aims, and all of a sudden that became the impetus of what we call the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. Uh, in 1840, Alexander Campbell started Bethany College in West Virginia, and in 1849, the very first national convention was held in Cincinnati, and the Missionary Society was organized at that point. Now, we used to be able to say that we were one of the largest churches founded on American soil, and what we've really kind of relied upon now is it's not necessarily the amount of people, but the, the things that we have come out of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Some of the things that really break us down and change the way that we do things are our basic beliefs and understandings. So uh, what is it that we believe? Well, first off, you're, you're going to hear a lot of things from a lot of different Disciples of Christ pastors, but there's some basics that I, I want to share with you. Uh, 
you'll hear the phrases like no book but the Bible. For us, the the Bible becomes the guide for Christian living and faith. But disciples have always stressed, stressed there's an openness to Christ and the gospel. So there's no dogma that comes into this. And when we study the Bible, we study it from different lenses versus what the doctrine has told us or the tradition has told us. So for us, there's a kind of a rebirth of the values found in the New Testament. Um, and you start to see this restorational idea of who we are at the very beginning of returning to what it would have looked like in the first and second century. What does that community look like, that koinonia, that fellowship, or the what Paul would call the ecclesia of the time, um, where each person was free to explore and interpret the scriptures according to their own experience. And we encourage people to do so with the nurture of the faith community. There was a sense of public confession. And really, we don't like to use that word confession, because remember, if it sounds European, looks European, we, we got to get rid of it. So instead, we, we like to refer to it as public profession of faith. Um, and but there is a sense of our history history of the belief in Christ and the repenting of sins and the acceptance of Jesus into our life. <clears throat> we believe that God is revealed to us in the Bible and through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Christ becomes the Son of the God, a Son of God, uh, part of God's own divinity, yet fully human, our Savior is, who is with us always. Uh, we, we do have a very inclusive uh, understanding of our faith. We believe that all creations and children of God can be ministers and are entitled to interpret the scriptures and perform church functions, just like you would have seen in the first and second century church. And and in and out of that, you you get some basic ordinances of the gospel. So for us, we don't have doctrine or dogma, but we believe that there's some ordinances that come from the Bible, such as Baptism. Uh, now, baptism is the idea of baptism and how it rolls in the Christian church has changed so many times over the years. I remember when I was a kid, we used to say that if you weren't baptized, you didn't get to go to heaven. <laughs> and uh, and if you didn't get baptized, then uh, you also couldn't take communion. And over time, the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, one of the reasons I think that we're like the best kept secret is, is that we recognize that Baptism happens for people in a lot of different ways. I would say that this is kind of a, uh, to steal from our Lutheran brothers and sisters, it's like an outward expression of an inward faith. We, ex 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 um, we want to acknowledge your baptisms of, that you had when you were an infant, but we also want to acknowledge the fact that baptism is, is, a, is a choice. We choose to be baptized, like Christ was in the Synoptic Gospels. It's the very first thing he does. He he gets baptized by uh, John the Baptist, and from that point on, we have no record of the disciples, the twelve, uh, ever being fully baptized. But we do know that in Acts chapter two, all of a sudden, this whole group of people are are moved to be baptized, and we read that there's some three thousand that were. So baptism becomes for us a a sense and understanding that it's it's a it's a choice. It's a it's where a person enters into the church universal. It's also done by water. Uh, so, so those that were baptized as infants, we acknowledge that baptism. But for us, the, for those that have never been baptized, we we do it by full immersion or however we need to do it in the circumstances. 
there is a sense of confession. We, in the aspect of baptism, we recognize that going into the water, something different happens as we come out. And it's symbolic of Christ's death and burial and resurrection and, and of a faith life to come. We base this off of uh, Romans 6, verse 4. So like the, the, the idea, therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that we too may walk in a newness of life. So for our conversations in the next couple podcasts, we're going to talk more about what does that mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be baptized within the church and to make a profession of faith? And in, uh, until next time, next time we're going to talk about communion and uh, why it is that we do it every week. So until then, uh, I will talk to you later.